One Together podcast, the podcast about bringing us together as one. It's funny. And it has been getting bigger and bigger every week with a mission to stop bullshit media from creating stupid stories that play into an idea that we just want drama and titillating headlines with zero substance. I mean, do you want that? Do you want gossip and rubbish that has no real substance? Because I was told that you do by many people in the entertainment industry. And what's more, that that's what women want? Ugh. Anyway, look, if we haven't already met, I am a very passionate and eccentric Heather Maltman. This entire podcast was created in the hope of creating an industry of media whereby we actually have to give you what you want rather than us telling you what you want. Let's educate ourselves and talk about stuff that really matters. And I am proud and loud about being a person who wants to connect people for real which we are very proud to say has been happening. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your stories and requests to keep joining the podcast. I will get back to all of you, so please keep on saying hi. But first, we need to get into this week's episode. This week's guest. She is no green egg to the odd headline or media chit-chat. You might know her from the sunny streets of Erinsborough, Neighbours on Channel 11. But Saskia Hempel has so much more to offer than her acting prowess. She is a smart and savvy businesswoman who isn't afraid to speak her mind on what we need to change as women and men. She talks about becoming jaded in the industry and how even at the top of your game you can feel like quitting. We discuss how we have both been bullied until labelled trouble or a diva or worse, acting like a victim. We talk about publicity and the pressure we have been given about being sexy Most importantly, I share with her one of my many Me Too stories. However, for legal reasons, due to being female and ostracised, it has actually been censored until we live in a country where I will not be demonised or dragged through the mud by the media. Oh, and also I have actually censored Saskia's full story about media and different industry issues to protect her also. However, we leave the gist of the story in there for you. And I really hope that you get as much out of this as I do because Saskia is a very inspirational young woman. Enjoy. Please be advised the following podcast has occasional coarse language. There is a discussion around race and sexism as well as sexual connotations made in jest as an example. There are stories that have been bleeped as well as names of those involved to protect both the guest and host. Hey, you do your job. No, wait. Oh, did I do it? There's a red light. Nailed it. Okay, nobody moves. Flashing red light. Is that that's how it's supposed to be? Yes. yes. Yeah. Apparently, when it flashes red, that's when it's recording. Okay, good. All right, I've nailed that part of it. Don't right. fall again, <laughs> you giant piece of crap. Uh, all right. Well, how about we just crack on into it and we'll see what direction it goes in then. Yeah. And then. If we want to add more to it later, we can. And if not, then. For sure. And, yeah, we don't have to cover every facet of uh, my life today. I guess we can make a start and then. We'll just create like a series. <laughs> Saskia, the series. People will be like, I was so over this bitch. <laughs> Get rid of her. <laughs> Stop talking. Mm. Nah, I find you incredibly <laughs> inspiring actually, especially like, I don't know, acting-wise I, I think is where I first sort of fell in love with you, not just because obviously Daniel introduced us and we became friends, but like 
I don't know. I just look at what you've done with your career so far and it's so hard because it's so easy to get jaded. Mm. Like there's so much rejection in don't working. Worry, I'm jaded. <laughs> That's funny. I'm jaded. That goes on. <laughs> <laughs> but you always just seem to like get back up and keep going. And I, yeah. I've had moments where I'm like, I'm just going to quit. Yeah. Not going to do this anymore. Do you have those days? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, it always happens, especially um, right before I go into a project. It tends to, I get to like the lowest point where I'm like, yeah. this is the last audition I'm ever going to do because this is so hard and I'm going to quit. And then I get a call and it's like, you got a job. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, universe, I'll go again. <laughs> I wonder if it is kind of that where it's like the universe is sort of stepping in and going, you're meant to do this lady. So yeah. you're just going to have to deal with it. I think so. I think sometimes it's just, yeah, divine intervention and yeah, how it's meant to be. How do you find the acting industry as a woman? I mean, obviously you can't tell because you've never been a man. <laughs> Well, I've seen men and I think they have an easier time. Yeah, um, I feel that way too. Yeah, I mean, it's a loaded question. I think I think that's probably not necessarily being a woman in the industry, but that's one of the mm. reasons why LA was so challenging for me because it's very much about, um, yeah, about being looking a certain way and being a certain kind of flirtatious and, yeah. you know, you hear all these stories about, you know, well, if you want to make it, you you better, you know, flirt your way to the top or do other things to get to the top. And for me that was really like I can't even believe that's being said to me. Like I was like, who do you think I am? But then you start to realise wow. that that is a lot of a barrier. If you don't play the game, then it does create barriers for you. So I think it happens everywhere but L.A., in particular, I was like, is this an industry I want to be a part of if that's where the values lie? Mm. It's um, interesting that you say that because I've I've not so much dealt with that when it's come to like casting couch type scenarios, which I guess mm. is the best label you can give it. I don't mm. know. Mine has been more like I've found that there's quite a bit of bullying. Like mm. I've kind of been bullied into doing things where I've been like, I'm not comfortable, like I don't want to do that. And if you don't yeah. do it, you get labelled as a diva or she's difficult or um, she's causing trouble or whatever or, mm. you know, it's not just, oh, maybe she just isn't comfortable and maybe we need to actually have a conversation with her about why she doesn't feel like wearing sandals when it's minus 10 degrees mm-hmm. on the snowy mountain and, you know, she's wearing a loincloth dress and she's supposed to lie down on rocks and look dead, yeah. you know, like yeah. that's a really big thing to kind of ask someone to do in my mind but yeah, yeah. I, I found mm. that a bit on um doing neighbors where obviously like it's like it's always sunny in Erinsborough and everyone mm. should be in bikinis and it got to a point at one point oh my gosh it would be too like you go you guys go down by the pool and it's Melbourne it's Melbourne and it's like so cold oh, I never thought of that like sometimes they get you to chew on ice blocks because the evaporation coming out of your mouth <gasps> makes it look cold and you're sitting there in like a sundress (laughs) so you have to chew ice to stop the smoke coming out your mouth but there was like a real push at one point um for you know like creating this summer vibe for the UK viewers and so it was like bikinis all the time and kind of this push to show as much skin as possible and I do feel like there's a certain element of where if you're a bit difficult or you speak up and stand up for yourself the opportunities are taken away in a very subtle kind of yeah. way it's never like a an obvious thing where you could speak up and be like oh this doesn't feel right but it is that kind of real subtle 
and I don't even think it's conscious on the people making those decisions. It's just yeah. like, oh, we've got pressure from the studio. Like it's all comes from the network. It's like That's the network wants point. sexy young girls. So how do we do this whilst making sure our actresses don't feel like they're taken advantage of? Let's mm. just find people that are willing to kind of expose themselves enough to sell what we have to sell. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. You've just given me like a whole new level of reassurance no joke. I've had so many instances where things like that have happened mm. to me, like quite similar, where it's a really good example. Okay, one that I can think of off the top of my head was um, a number of years ago now, after I'd finished Bachelor, I didn't want to openly talk about a relationship I was in where it was actually becoming quite toxic. Like, I guess that's mm-hmm. the best word to use, although I really hate that word. Like, it's just been, we're always it's using it. It's been the word like, of 2018. Oh, so toxic. <laughs> yeah. and it's just such a toxic vibe. Toxic and triggered. I yes, like I'm so triggered right now. 2018. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so true. Losing their meaning. Yeah, it's anyway. okay. I've got crystals all around the windows to stop us from being triggered from any outside environments. No trigger, no toxicity. No, yeah. no. And I've got a Himalayan rock salt to <laughs> avoid any kind of toxicity. Um, <laughs> such a hippie. <laughs> Should stop shaving my armpits. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I uh, I was dating this guy. I didn't want to openly talk about how sort of negative it was becoming and how mean we were, we were becoming to each other because I didn't want to hurt his sort of career and also I didn't really think it was going to serve me. And because I really took a stand on that, mm-hmm. it caused a lot of drama between myself and a publicity team. And I was just like, yeah, but, like, don't you want me to be strong and, you know, be that kind of power force as a woman. Mm. And the more I've worked in different aspects of the industry, the more I've heard this term, oh, she's a good girl and she'll just do it. And I'm like, it actually, I know, I know, (laughs) I know. And it's just like we keep talking about all this stuff happening in Hollywood and people coming forward and saying, you know, things have got to change. And it's like, I don't understand why it's not happening here. Mm. Like why are we not doing the same thing here? It's, yeah, Australia, it's a funny culture here and I think, as much as I think it does happen less here and maybe I'm speaking out of turn because I don't know and I personally haven't in that industry had any, you know, really full-on incidences like a lot of the women who have come forward in America. I have chosen to edit out the names from this story. They have been completely removed as well as other information just to protect myself and also to protect Saskia from potential discrimination. And this is what I think when the whole Me Too movement happened, went through my head. It's like you're a very empowered and, you know, outspoken person. You're able to look after yourself. You're a grown-up, you know, you have autonomy and you're able to look, yeah, essentially speak up for yourself when things don't feel right. Yeah. And I'm sure that even just saying what you said would have felt very confronting. Oh, I don't even know if this is that's going to make the podcast. Like, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Like I, it absolutely, like I'm sweating now just thinking yeah. about it because... You can't you can't trust that anyone's going to back you up here in this country. Like exactly. I can't even put up a post about, you know, something funny with a man without there being some kind of connotation that I must be somehow downing on another man. Yeah. And it's like why, why does it have to be that? Why can't it be the celebration of what the photo is actually about? Why do you need to twist it and mm. absolutely throw me to the wolves? And I imagine like there's probably been numerous moments where you've had the same thing and it's just like why are we doing this to each other? Yeah. Especially our women like. Because we live in the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Down with the men. <laughs> no, some men are actually amazing. But, um, <laughs> a lot of 
Vanna. <laughs> yeah. We love you. <laughs> and some have lovely penises. This so, is also true. Yeah. <laughs> um, credit where credit's due, I've always said. <laughs> <laughs> One endearing quality. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> some have nice eyes. Um, <laughs> Oh, also that's so inappropriate. <laughs> oh, well, it gets said the other way around all the time. <laughs> yeah. She's got nice tits. Yeah, well, you've got a lovely penis. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. Um, but oh, I've completely <laughs> lost, lost track. Like. Penis gets mentioned and we're all like giggling like, schoolgirls. <laughs> She's a dick. I don't know what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, isn't it the way? They can be quite confronting though. Um, <laughs> they're not a very attractive organ. <laughs> not always. <laughs> Although you've got to admit the odd vagina can be a little bit, whoa, okay. vagina's a little and cute compared to a penis. Well, the, from the ones that I've seen on, you know when you like Google things and you're like, oh, I shouldn't <laughs> I have Googled I've that. Oh, okay, it's just me. <laughs> There's a little but, insight you know, into what's on my computer. <laughs> each of their own. I actually follow a really cool Instagram um, page. Yeah. Is that what you call them? Instagram page yeah. um, called the Volva Galleries. Yeah. And what it is is women take photos of their vulvas and they send it to the vulva galleries and they yeah. draw a picture of that vulva. And so it's a whole chronicle of different looking vulvas. Shut um, up. Yeah, it's an amazing. Everyone, if, you, if this makes the podcast, then everyone listening should Google, or not Google, follow the yeah. vulva gallery. The vulva gallery. Yeah. I well, I mean, it. it's clearly right up my alley. Yeah. I'm not you, intended. I'm surprised but... you don't even already follow it. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I Google real pictures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want the original. You want the real <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. I don't buy fakes. No. <laughs> well, I don't think the real thing would be allowed on Instagram, so it's kind of a yeah, true. vagina hack for uh, <laughs> people that want to look at vaginas all day long. Oh, dear. Uh, do you reckon um, <laughs> doctors that actually work in uh, what? What's the gynecologist? gynecologists are just mm. like oh, it's just like going back to work. Yeah, probably like oh, oh not I again. Want to see another vulva. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we've gone so far off track now. I just <laughs> no. don't even know. But, yeah, like going back to like publicity stuff, what do you mm. reckon has been probably one of the hardest publicity things that you've ever had to tackle or have you been quite lucky in that you've never really had any big dramatic things happen to you in that way? I'm lucky. I yeah, I count myself very lucky because I feel like a lot of people, especially in the more like reality world, which you would probably be able to speak more to, um, get given a really hard time. So I've, I've count myself really lucky. I've had little things and especially in the UK, to be honest, I've mm. found Australian media a little bit more tame probably because I'm not really that interesting or juicy yeah. to talk about. <laughs> but, like, the UK would twist things in a way where, like, I remember um, one storyline that I did on Neighbours, my character had been cheated on and an interviewer asked me, you know, what would you do if you were in George's position you know, would you take him back? Would you not? And I sort of said, well, look, I mean, in that position, you'd have to weigh up how much this person means to you. And like, if, if it's the love of her life, sure, you know, I'd take him back if, if that was the one, but it depends on the circumstance. And then the next day, a huge headline, Saskia Hampel would take back a cheating lover. And I was like, oh, for crying out. guys, wow. that's, that's not what I said. And it's not so much that I cared that this stuff was being said about me, but I thought I have a lot of young women that follow me on social mm. media or who love my character and I thought it's really taking out of context the message that I want to send to those girls in that 
I don't think it's okay to cheat and I probably wouldn't take back a cheating lover. Um, but, but like you said, it's circumstantial. Like you're literally asking yeah, a question no context. that's... You have absolutely no context for that. Yeah. So I, I ended up fighting it and I think it, the articles actually was ended up being removed by the publicity team, which was great. Good. But it was one of those things where I was just like, yeah, it's it's a twisting of words to make me seem sexualized or like that my life is about you know what I would consider as a you know as a partner of someone or as a sexual Mm. interest of someone and I thought it's just not relevant to me being an actor and the reason I was there doing publicity so it's interesting just how publicity the stories that they do gravitate towards because there's plenty of other stories that could have been printed and that was the one that got printed and then copied by 20 other online publications because it was the juiciest thing that they could come up with and it yeah. wasn't even anything that I'd said. Yeah. What do you say then to those people who are like, because I feel like I've got so many questions off the back of that, the first one I'm going to go with, is like, you know, there seems to be this overarching vibe either in the industry or people that aren't in the industry and don't understand just as much, um, oh, well, you're in the public eye, you just have to deal with it or mm. something. I feel like every time I hear really negative thing that's being written about someone or a post that's shared that's ripping someone apart or even just a comment on social media. I don't know, I just keep hearing these people saying, oh, well, you, you're in the spotlight, what do you expect? Like you, you're, it's almost like you deserve it or something. They're like, oh, you deserve it. I mean, you've, you've put yourself in that position so you just have to deal with it. Mm. I don't know. I, like, I have my thoughts on how, why people say that particular comment but I'd love to know how that resonates for you, I guess. I think that there's something that goes on when you're in the public eye where people then think that you're public property and that you're not a real person. Mm. Um, and as soon as you kind of dehumanise someone like that, then it is easy to sort of say, well, you were asking for it. You were the one who chose to be in the public eye. So that's what you deserve. And I think it is a really Australian thing where we cut people down when they're kind of doing well or we we want to mm. kind of squash them if they seem like they're a bit too big for their boots. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe that's a part of it is that the, the public perception that people forget that you're just a real person, you're just a normal person, you have a normal life and you don't get into whatever you are in, whether it's acting, music, you know, whatever, you don't do that because you want your life to be dissected by media and the other thing that people maybe don't understand is that it's all bullshit. Yeah, half like the time the real. story isn't even, first of all, it's not even a story. They've written it from nothing. Mm. So there's actually no content in the piece at all. Yeah. But also half the time it's a, it's kind of like a lie but it's not a lie. It's like they've taken what actually had but they've turned it so harshly on its head that you can't turn around and say, well, that's not what happened. But at the same time it isn't what happened. you know what I mean? Like. Mm. I don't think of an example. Oh, like a post I put up once about um, uh, a, a guy that I was about to start work with. I just said we have an announcement and they turned and made it, oh, Heather makes a joke about being pregnant. And it's <sighs> like but I, but I didn't though. Like if you look at the picture, his hand isn't even on my stomach, it's on my hip. Mm. But you've said that it's on my stomach. So now everyone's saying that it's on my stomach, which is what makes it factual. But it's not factual because it wasn't in the beginning. Does that make it's sense? Twisting the truth, absolutely. Yeah, so and it's like, people reading that probably think that, 
oh, Heather's obviously in on this and making a big announcement. Exactly. And you're not. Half the mm. time you don't even know that the article's going down until yeah. a friend messages you and go, why are you saying this? Yeah. I can't believe you are would you make fun of it. Yeah. Or like I can't believe you would make fun of being pregnant, but you're not. Like you have no idea what people go through and it's mm. like, okay, like let's all just take a breath. Like yeah. I didn't even know that they were writing that. So, yeah. And what are your ways of dealing with that then? Like when you, like do you get that? I don't know, I go through this process where I find out about the article and it's like my stomach just flips. Like in my gut I'm like, oh, like not again, Mm. not again. (laughs) Or like worse, what's going to be said now or how am I going to deal with this now that just can be absolutely gut-wrenching. Like what's your way of working through it? Or are you just like, oh, fuck it, who cares? Like here we go. Yeah, I mean a little part of me as I get older, cares less about it. I think maybe when oh, I was cool. kind of starting out in the industry, I got a little bit more precious about stuff. But I do tend to flick things off these days. But you know what? I also just take control of my own narrative as much as I can. And I think the one of the few good things about social media is that it is a way to take control of your own story and have your own voice. And I think when I started in the industry, Instagram wasn't a thing that it is now. And there wasn't a way to kind of have your own public voice, except through media outlets, which was a bit frustrating. Whereas now it's like, if you want to stand for something, if you want to tell a story, you can take control of that. And I think, yeah, I think for me, it's about um, living a life with integrity. And so essentially, what I do is seen in the public eye and and that's real and that's what I am um, as opposed to kind of doing, you know, relying on the tabloids to tell my story. Yeah, totally. How do you do that though? Like how do you actually control social media in that way? Because like, I don't know, maybe this is goes back to what you were saying before about when you work in a realm like reality TV, you're more inclined to have your story twisted, I suppose. Regardless mm. of what you post, they're just going to do it anyway so you kind of accept it. But um, I guess there would probably be... I'm sure like you're probably listening right now going, oh, that's me. I'm literally trying to find ways to create my own narrative and wondering what's a way to do it. Would you have any advice on how to do that? Yeah, I think have a point of view is probably important. I think it's easy to be on social media and just, and I get in this trap as well where it's like, oh, I'm just going to post this because that's what my followers probably want to see you know, these photos of me looking pretty or these photos of, you know, glamorous stuff that they think celebrities do. Mm. And instead of succumbing to those sort of temptations of playing the social media game and playing the fame game, like actually I'm just going to be really gutsy and put my opinion out there and, you know, kind of say something's a bit controversial that I actually believe in or be really honest and open about something that I'm struggling with or um, celebrate something that I care about, mention a charity that I care about or a cause that I care about. And I think that's my way of sort of being a bit more real and not caring about how many people unfollow me because I said something feminist or I said something that supports Indigenous rights or, you know, because there's so many people that follow everyone that no one's going to share my views entirely. There's going to be people out there who think what I say is crap sometimes (laughs) and maybe it is. But I think having that integrity and actually just having the courage to be like, even though this is a bit scary to post because it might not be the popular opinion, I'm going to say it anyway because it's what I care about and it's what I believe in and I'd be a fraud if I didn't say it. Oh, wow. That's like really (laughs) inspirational. Well, I'm sure you didn't mean it that way, but it's it's good. (laughs) That's that's incredible. It's a really incredible way of sort of being and acting and Mm. 
Yeah. It's harder to do sometimes. Like there's definitely times where I've, you know, deleted or not posted something that I wanted to post. Like when the first stuff came out, Mm. part of me wanted to be like, yeah, what a pest. But then I was like. Ooh. Who's going to read that? What is and this is this is exactly what we we're talking about at the start. Who's going to read this and how will it, will it impact on my job prospects coming up? Yeah, you know, will this will someone from some theatre company that backs read this comment and will that mean that I will not get a job based off of that, or will I be seen as a difficult person who's going to put in a complaint when someone fills me out backstage instead of just being compliant and yeah. not saying anything and laughing along? Yeah. And that's the one that we were really talking about before is that whole thing of like women in Australia needing to be the good girl and the Mm. nice girl and not causing trouble and things like that. And I just So many things I have been scared to speak up about because I wanted to be the good girl that people want to work with. Like I've been bullied and had really like nasty stuff happen to me in the media, uh, like in productions and... You know, you kind of go, okay, I'm going to weigh this up. Is it worth speaking about? And then that production company never hiring me again when they have X, Y, Z productions that I want to keep in their good books with? Or should I just deal with the bullies and, you know, just suck it up, play nice? And pretty much always you choose, you just go, I'm just going to play nice. Isn't it sad sad when you find out that like bullying doesn't end when you leave school? Yeah. Isn't it sad to realise that just because it happens in school doesn't mean it's not going to happen in real life? And it's like this whole thing about trying to stop bullying in schools. It's like, yeah, but we're still doing it as adults. So how can you expect a child not to do it when you're probably doing it at home? And that's where they learn it in the first place. Well, where are the kid bullies learning from? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's actually statistically proven that um, bullying is a learned behaviour. Mm. You actually learn it as a small child from an adult in the home and it's usually like a parent that's quite close to you so yeah if your kid's being bullied by another kid at school have a look at the parents or have a look at someone close to those parents because that's where that child is learning it from Mm. they're not actually born with that sort of negative behavior time for a quick break and for you to hear about the products that one together gets behind All right, drinking alcohol is a pastime in Australia that you just can't get away from. All right, it happens over here. In fact, it's a big cultural thing the world over. But if you're anything like me and you cannot drink very often or you like to be mindful of the effects that it has on your body, but you also don't mind the odd wine or sundowner as well, do I have the gift for you? I actually do. It's called Body Armor and it's actually this really smart drink that was developed by a team of dudes that wanted to protect their liver when they were drinking alcohol, right? So it actually helps with the effects of hangovers, which is awesome. It means that you can actually get up and get into the day if you've maybe gotten a little bit too frazzled the night before. But also it's recognized by the TGA over here, which means it's categorized as a medicine. And that, my friends, is really difficult to do. Even pregnant women drink it for nausea. So it's this really boss stuff and it will help you out a lot. It really protects your liver and all of the good things that you need it to do when your body isn't doing good. So you can get it on their website. That's bodyarmor.com.au or you can get it on their socials, bodyarmor.au. That's A-R-M-O-U-R because they wanted to keep you in the mix. Get it? Yeah, because they thought of you when they made it. That's a little joke I added in for you. Thanks for staying with us. Everything we endorse is fully backed and loved by the team at One Together. We do our research on every company or product to make sure it's either healthy-minded or it will serve to give back to the community 
or even the environment in some way. So let's get back to that discussion. It's interesting, like, I think it actually gets worse with adults as well, because not only do you get bullied, but I found that then there's structures that support the bully sometimes where it's like, you know, I've had experiences where I was bullied by someone, but then the person who was in the power position that was supposed to protect me was friends with that bully. So then they kind of subtly hit it. And then the HR in that company was kind of on side with them and slash shitting their pants because they're like oh yeah but then I essentially got like you know gaslighted because it was like well there's nothing going on here what are you talking about and everyone wants to protect the bully because no one wants to have this awkward working environment where they've spoken up for someone else yeah so yeah I think at least at at school you kind of know that if you if you dub on the bully the teachers are going to be like you're being a bully yeah, you leave them alone. Yeah. yeah. But as you become an adult, you soon realise that there's so many more powers at play. I also mm. found that as you get older, it's like, it's like, especially like with the whole, you know, dynamics of male and female changing and the fact that we're starting to create more equality for women, bullying in the workplace seems to have changed from physical bullying when you're a kid, punching, hitting, pushing, you know, stealing people's things, mm. um, you know, hurting their stuff, whatever, Uh to this kind of psychological bullying, like you were saying, like gaslighting and stuff, yeah. where you can't, it's not something you can see. It's not a pain that you can put your finger on. It's it's completely 100%. different. It's yeah. really subtle. And so the interesting subtle. thing Such is a great word. In that in that scenario that I'm talking about, people all around me kept telling me they were like, oh, you're getting treated really badly. This is not on. Yeah. But no one was willing to back me up when I said, Yeah, this is going on. And people we're all like, oh, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Behind closed doors, they're more than happy to support you and go, yeah, that shouldn't be happening to you. I'm so sorry. That's yeah. absolutely rubbish. And then when you go and do something about it, they're like, oh, no, I don't know. What do you mean? That's yeah. So I looked day. like this crazy person, this crazy yes. emotional person that was like yeah. so upset when it's like, I don't know what you're talking no, about. I never you've, even had that conversation. You've been treated totally fairly. Yeah. Yeah. Or, oh, it's a clash of personalities. That's, mm, yeah. If I hear one more person say that to me when it's clear that a narcissist is having a crack, mm-hmm. I will lose my mind. And it's like, and that's kind of what the person is hoping that you do. You know, they just slowly chip away at you and it's just small and subtle. Mm-hmm. And they just keep going until eventually it just breaks you. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed that in, um, sort of working environments, the person who's most likely going to treat you that way is the person who's got the most to lose. Mm-hmm. The person who's got the least amount of clout is the person that will try and chip away at you the most. So it's like yeah. you know you know that by reacting they, they start to look more and more professional and it starts to sort of almost heighten them in some way. Yeah, you're the crazy emotional one and they're the in control, like. Yeah. Oh, they're just trying to start out. Like why are you having such a hard time with this person? Like they haven't even really done anything yet and it's like you you did not just see what they did before. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Yeah. and it's um, I'll never forget the best piece of advice I ever got uh, for things like that was from my birth father. He said to me, he's like, uh, I'm trying to remember how the saying goes, but it was something along the lines of like, let let the person with the biggest stick walk around and make the most noise because mm. the more quiet you are, the more you just sit back and 
watch and let them do it. Eventually they'll hang themselves Mm. because they're so busy making so much noise and they're so busy trying to fire up so many people that eventually they'll actually just self-combust, especially if you just let them do it. And it it sounds like you're giving into it, but I've actually been doing that for a while now with with people that I struggle with, mm-hmm. whether that whether it's entertainment industry or otherwise, like even just friends. Yeah. If you just shut up and let them do it, eventually they kind of do themselves in in the end and you can yeah. just sort of sit back and go, all right, well, that's kind of uh, sorted. Who's up for a cup of tea? Yeah. Well, there's nothing that shuts down a bitchy conversation as much as someone who doesn't want to engage. <laughs> like, yeah. I know that from personal experience where yeah. you're like, oh, that person's so annoying and someone's like, mm. you're like, oh, I'm being oh. a real cow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stop doing that right now because <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, yeah so you is. just get really awkward and just sort of stare and wait. <laughs> yeah. I call, like, so there's like a really. Please say something mean too because yeah. I feel really bad. Yeah, and you're like, nah, I'm just going to let you wallow in that. Yeah. <laughs> let you wallow in that misery. Um, whenever I work with teenage girls, because I, I know you do a lot of work with uh, the next generation, especially with gift box, obviously, mm. which is something we'll get into. But one of my favourite things to teach young girls is when girls are being bitchy, you give them the kind face in return. And the yep. kind face is just when you sit quietly and you just listen and you nod and you just have a little smile on your face and, you know, you're, you're bright and you're understanding and it's not, it's not that you're pitying them. You're not, it's not pity. They're clearly hurting. They're just deflecting their hurt onto someone else and they feel the need to just push their anger onto another person or their insecurity, they're going to push it onto someone else and bring them down. And all you do is just quietly nod and listen and 100%. sit there and smile and then eventually they're like, you know what I mean? And you go, I guess, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, not really. <laughs> yeah. You just leave it and you just yeah. let them sit in it and eventually they're like, oh, that was probably not the best thing to say. And it actually works with men as well because men, I'm sorry, mm. but men are becoming more and more bitchy as the sexes start to equalise. Like there, I don't know if you found this, but especially in our industry being such an emotional industry, creatives are like the more the ego grows and the more men are asked to sort of, you know, let go of the fact that they're in control and let women be in control too. Mm. They're starting to use a more manipulative way of being and acting in environments as well. And I find that the the nod and smile face works so well with a man because they suddenly start to feel really emasculating. You're like, I'm not emasculating you, man. I'm just not. I'm just I'm not, not engaging. Yeah. Like I don't want to be a part of that. And then you don't even have to say, oh, I'm not, I'm not gonna partake in that. You just sit there and you wait. And if they're like, you know what I mean? You're like, yeah, I guess. Because you're not saying yes and you're not saying no. You're not agreeing and you're not disagreeing. Yeah. And then you don't have to feel like you have to like stand up for all these things. It's like that person will eventually implode themselves or something. But yeah, well, hopefully they'll go away and think about what they said and go. Fingers oh, crossed. Maybe. Maybe that wasn't what I should have been talking about. Yeah, if they're not a complete douche, they will. Yeah, yeah, yeah sometimes. Uh, maybe I'm giving people too much credit. <laughs> no, it's good. I like to be the eternal optimist as well and, like, yeah, hope that people eventually see their ways and go, oh, what have I done? And Yeah, well, I feel like people have the capacity to change. It's just about, like, do, yeah. do you choose to be ignorant and just continue along the way you're, you've always gone or do you choose to educate yourself and, you know, actually learn another way of thinking about things. And I think, um, yeah, I like to think that eventually most people will start to want to learn about how to treat people better, how to be more um, more of a feminist and create equality, um, yeah. you know, how to be a good person. Yeah. What does feminist mean to you? Because I feel like it's been really bastardised as we've moved forward in yeah. generations. Yeah, I mean... If, Feminism to me is essentially just equality. Yeah, um, I agree. But I think as I delve deeper and deeper into that journey, it does become 
more about, um, yeah, the the underlying structures that create this inequality. Like I think as when I was younger, feminism used to just be more like, hey, don't don't put me down because I'm a woman and I can do what you can do. I'm a girl and I'm just as strong yeah. as you. Whereas nowadays I'm more like, um, like, well, the the world is structured to put the privilege in the men basket, in the man basket, and um, yeah, essentially leave everyone else behind. Um, yeah. So, yeah, feminism has become more, I guess, about all minorities rather than just women and men. Because you know, as a woman, I have a lot of privilege over people of color or you know people who have had harder lives than I have. So it's kind of more about, yeah, breaking down this notion that the white man is on the top of the food chain and everyone comes in chunks underneath them. Yeah. Um, How do you bash down that kind of framework in the world? Oh, it's so hard because the more you, the more people, I just, I love when I like walk into a workplace where it's incredibly white male dominant and they go, we are very uh, supportive of women in this office and women in this office have a voice and we make sure of that. And then you realise that all women work in these subservient roles to a man. Like mm. that's it to a man and you're like, what? 100%. <laughs> no, just because you fill the office with more women than men doesn't mean you're about women having a voice. It's mm-hmm. it's about making sure that like you're giving equal opportunity to male versus female but also like you were I love walking into a an office space and it's like okay there's literally two people here of color and they're both working in subservient roles okay we really have not made many changes mm-hmm. it was actually um a book by have you ever heard of the writer Rennie or Renee Edo Lodge no so she wrote this book. She's from the UK, actually. She wrote this book called Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Oh, I have read an article about this oh, book. Oh, it is. Was the article good? Was it really like for it or? Uh, as in like for? Like was it a positive oh, rendition yeah, yeah, of yeah. what? Yeah, it was supporting her argument yeah, in the book. Yeah, it's incredible. And as like I guess identifying as white female, which, you know, I've got a very questionable background being Australian, mm-hmm. Um. Uh, she was actually the first person to wake me up to my own racism that Mm. I didn't even know I harboured. And I was like, wow. Like I had all these thoughts of like, poor me and I'm a white female and I'm trying to get a buy and blah, blah, blah. And then I read this part where she talks about when she was a little girl turning to her mum and going, mum, when will my skin go white like everyone else? And she was like, what are you talking about? Like you're a black female, that's not gonna happen. And she was like, but everyone on TV is white. Mm. And it ruined me because I realised it's just, it's so true. Like our shows that we watch on TV, we're not really representing every person that exists. And I know you can't represent every single little person, but. But we're not representing anyone. No. Like had their upfronts a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, and they had like a clip that they released and every single person I watched in that too. clip was white. I mean, there was the Greek I guy know. from the. I, I do guy. love him. He's yeah. a sweetheart. <laughs> Every other person in the outfronts was white and I was like, that's shameful. Who yeah. put this clip together and said this is okay to send out? Like, yeah. And they have people of colour who are in their shows, yeah. not many, but they do. Yeah. So they didn't include those people in the outfronts video. Yeah. But they release shows all the time where it's an entirely white cast. It's yeah. really like... 
<laughs> what year are we in? Yeah. It feels like we're still in the 80s. I literally just had a meeting with someone today about um, applying to Screen Queensland and Screen Australia for funding for some series. We were both like, this could be really fun, blah, blah, blah. And um, I said to him, I was like, hey, with this like series, I was looking at the cast and it's one white female and three white males all over the age of 35. And I was like, how would you feel about looking at some more gender diversity? You know, I mean, especially with the subject matter, we could even look at like, you know, making a comedy element where it's like the, every time the female character goes to speak, the males talk over her, which is really common and she gets mansplained to a lot and that's mm-hmm. why she's got this really ferocious female character where she's like quite intense because it's meant to be a comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, so we can have fun with that but you're still touching on the political topic that exists, you know, and still yeah. giving that voice to young women. But then also, like, maybe we could look at adding in, you know, a young Indigenous male instead of one of the white males or, like, Mm -hmm. you know, a young Asian male or you could maybe even put in a young, you know, uh, South African male because, you know, you could have fun around, you know, the fact that in most films and stuff the black guy always dies first, you know, that old 90s joke Mm, that sort of exists, which... I'm sorry, but it's true. Like they always killed his character off first. It was so ridiculous. You know, you could play with all those elements and, you know, there's more to it. And um, the response I got was so defensive. He was like, well, I mean, I'm just tired of having this, you know, gender diversity and culturalism rammed down my throat and, you know, we're going so far left. Like oh. how are we ever, you know, it's not fair to like say to us, well, you have to add in culturalism. What if it doesn't fit the storyline? You know, the storyline fits this particular thing. And I'm like, I go, okay, I was just, I was just throwing out an idea. But yeah. um, I didn't mean to speak out of turn. It's, it's saying to someone who holds the ultimate power in that position mm. that we don't want to just watch you and versions of you on our screen and they're like wait a second are you taking away my like who am I gonna look up to what about my white privilege (laughs) there'll be no white men to aspire to didn't you say I have a nice penis earlier (laughs) I've been reading um Uh, Clementine Ford's book and she I've got that in my list of audible yeah I'm excited yeah um she talked about this it's not her rule but it's a rule of thumb that um I can't remember the name of the the person who created it, but it's essentially for movies and TV that you watch. The rule is that it needs to have at least two females in it. The two females need to talk to each other Mm. about something other than Than a boy's relationship. Yes. And it's so amazing since reading that. So many things that I've watched have not passed that rule. Yeah. And like mainstream big films. I'm like, how is it that may I probably have watched five films since reading that, and I think four of them did not pass that test. Oh. Even things like there's a film about Winnie the Pooh. I think it's called Christopher Robin. Yes, and it's a beautiful film, the one with Ewan yeah. McGregor in it. Yeah. So there's not any scenes where the two fe- where two females speak to each other about someone other than a male. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> they don't speak to each other about anything other than Males. The, the men. I was oh. like, all of the Winnie the Pooh characters are male. Oh. <laughs> and my That's husband, blown my mind. I know. My husband was like, well, there's the mother kangaroo. And I was like, the only thing the mother kangaroo <laughs> says is, are you okay, darling, to her baby boy? <laughs> Joey. It's like, that's not a character. <laughs> that's just a, a tokenistic like, 
mother that yeah. doesn't say anything of relevance. Or worse, like I've no, I don't, I, one of the things that I read about um, with her and I actually saw her speak live, she's unbelievable, Legit. man. Like mm. she shut down this like misogynistic guy in her talk that just blew me away and you could see his face was just like, oh, I'm really not <laughs> This is not. Wrong I've picked time. the wrong place to do yeah. this. Yeah. And I was like, you could just see all the women like turn on him like, mm, girl, <laughs> you better close that down. Um, but, uh, yeah, what was her thing that she was talking about with, um, oh, shit, it's completely like spaced my mind. Hopefully I'll come back to it. Oh, what was it? <laughs> so talking, oh, yeah. So nine times out of ten, a film, um, the only way a female will be a lead is if she's brought into the story by a male character. So, like, for example, you have to be chosen. And she always wondered when she was younger, Mm. when will I be chosen by a boy? She used to say to her mum, when will I be chosen by a boy so that the story will be about me? Mm, You know, like... so interesting. Yeah, like the film She's All That. For example, you remember that yeah, movie with uh, Freddie Prince Jr. She's like a yeah. daggy girl, and yeah. then she becomes the cool girl. Which, by the way, when she was daggy, she was so hot, so much hotter. Daggy. I was like, you need to keep up with that because yeah. them overalls, like, I'm yeah. about what that. What happened to her? She was such a babe. I know, such a babe. I don't know. She... You know how Robin yeah. Wright was in Forrest Gump, and she was like the next it girl. Yeah, I read in an article that the reason why she just disappeared for ten odd years is yeah. because. The studio said, if we're going to make you our next big movie star, you need to be on the cover of the Maxim-type magazines. You need to do all of these kind of raunchy photo shoots and basically made her, tried to make her agree to be They actually tried to make her Jenny in real life. Yeah, Like that was her character in the movie. And she said no. (laughs) So then it was like, fine, you're out. Even though Holy she's shit. one of the most spectacular actors oh, she's ever. She's phenomenal. She yeah. blows my mind. Yeah. Um, there's an amazing article that Nicole Kidman talked about where, um, and I hate to do this to you, Nicole, because I, you know, I know you're a big believer in like women having a voice, but she said that she never wanted to talk about Tom Cruise again. So I'm sorry for saying that because I know you said you don't want to talk about him anymore, but I need to say <laughs> that in talking. order to get to the point. Yeah, like I'm saying it for you, sorry. But, like, um, she was talking about how she's pretty sure that marrying him was the reason why she didn't deal with a lot of that sort of Me Too crap that was going on mm. in Hollywood because she because was looked he's at a big like. Old misogynist. Well, no, that's probably part of it. I don't know. I don't know Tom Cruise. I yeah. just want to. <laughs> well, her thing was um, because I was married, I was looked at as off limits. Ah. So, because I was already sort of pure and okay and I was already sort of this mother. I was sort of left alone and we were such a Hollywood star couple, people just sort of left us to our own devices and knew mm. that, well, she's spoken for, so you don't touch her. Interesting. Spoken and, for by a big, powerful man or yeah. a short, powerful man. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't it interesting that Gwyneth Paltrow talks about how back in the day when she was dating Brad Pitt, I think, I, I hope I'm getting the right people here. Ben Affleck, I think. Uh, maybe. Ben? Well, what tell was the, the story one? first because of I Harvey think- Goes to do, like, take a swing at her basically and she's like, I'm not interested. Like, he tries to hit on her and she's Mm. like, it's a no from me. But it just made me think, like, whoever she was dating at the time, I just remember reading it, they were only dating. They weren't married. Mm. And there seems to be something about marriage that seems to write women off like, oh, you have to respect the sanctity there and and leave them alone because they're spoken for, you don't touch that woman. They're another man's property. Yeah. The minute you become a man's property, it's like, oh, it's okay, like you don't touch her, like she's sort of spoken for and it's like Mm. you realise in a lion pride like us bitches have way more say. Like, Like we run that shit and that one guy like, you know, the main line of that bride has to do what all the female lines say, but sure. Like, 
Up yours. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but isn't it interesting that it's not about respect for that woman? It's about respect for the man who owns her. Yeah. Like it's, it blows my mind and it's like, why are we teaching our young girls this? I don't understand. Like mm. it's like we're only teaching them so much and then the rest of it isn't sort of getting over the line. I remember this father saying to me recently, he's like, oh, my friends uh, won't allow, like I bought my uh, friends this book. It was the Cinderella book or whatever, the Disney one. And um, I bought it for their little girl and um, they were like, oh, thank you so much. And they won't read it to her. Like it just sits on their shelf and they won't even like bring it down for her to read. Mm. And he's like, you know, it's just kind of insulting because I went to so much trouble and he, he was talking about how weird they are as parents, like all these things that they're doing. And I go to him, you know, they're doing that because they don't want her to learn that the only way she matters is if she's completely selfless to everyone else that exists in her life. And unless you're pretty and perfect and willing to sacrifice everything you've got for a man, that you're not going to exist in this world. Yeah. And he was like, what? And I go, you need to go back and read Cinderella, my friend, because the moral of that story is that, you know, even her fairy godmother says to her, because you're so selfless, Cinderella, I'm going to grant you a man. Mm. <laughs> it's like, why can't she just keep the, you know, the pumpkin that turns into a yeah, chariot and the, the cute dress <laughs> and the super awesome shoes and just ride <laughs> up into the sunset on her own and be like, I'm going to be my own woman yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't need anybody I got this myself I mean she does have it herself she can sing to animals <laughs> <laughs> she's the best she's got it sorted like that is a trick that is a solid parlor trick yeah I don't I don't know that I would let my daughter read or watch any Disney princess movies really no. the ones that were made Pocahontas I oh. am about that. Well, though Pocahontas is about a Native American that was owned by a bunch of white people. It's, like it's a pretty bad story. But a rigid, but the whole baseline, if you actually go back and watch it, she mm. is this woman that's like, don't take from our people. She's trying to teach this white man, don't but take from our people. does she get stolen and then end up with him? <laughs> does she? I thought she I ends think... up, I thought she takes him back to her tribe in the end. Oh, maybe. It's been a long time since I've watched Pocahontas, but I remember. The second she, movie it's a she. story. Yeah, the second movie she ends up going back to their land, but I oh. thought in the first one she convinces him to stay with her. Mm. I'm not sure. Shit, maybe I need to go back and watch. But yeah, I, re- we I re- need to go and watch Pocahontas. Yeah. I can't remember because I am sure that I read something recently about it being a really terrible, terrible depiction of Native American yeah. people. Oh, crap, I can't remember. If you if you know, like, please feel free to write in and let us know because yes. I feel like I need to know for sure now. I'm really yeah, disappointed. Tweet that shit at me. <laughs> her, yeah, <laughs> tweet us. <laughs> but the other one that I've always thought was good and this may change it now is Milan. Oh, I've never seen Milan. Oh, Okay, she saves the man. Ah. She's like this um, oriental princess that's like her dad wants her to just be like a geisha and, you know, marry and do all the right things. And she's like, no, I want to be a warrior. Ah. I want to go out and fight with a sword and like help my country and, and actually make a difference, not just be a woman on a seat that looks pretty and hands people nice things sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. and gives back to the community that way. She's like, I want to actually fight for my people and be a part of the world today. Yeah. And like she sings all these really powerful songs. Let's see if I can, oh man, her songs are like. Ooh, I want to watch this now. Moana's a bit like that as well. It's a good one. Moana's a good one. They're making much better uh, Disney movies slowly. I think less men need to make Disney movies. Mm -hmm. More women, better storylines. Come on, Disney, you can do better. Yeah, you guys can seriously work it out. Let's let's get to it. What about Brave? I feel like Brave is another. Oh, yeah, Brave was good. Brave was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. About the little Scottish girls. 
yeah, with the long reddish hair and mm. she's all called fire and she's like, yeah, I will not just be some be submissive. I will choose my own destiny because it's all about her like marrying the right guy and she's like, no. That's right, yeah. I wonder when they're going to make a, create a, like a, a gay Disney princess mm. that marries another princess or a trans Disney character. Ooh, that's a goodie. It'll have to come. It has, it has to. I can't wait for our kids' kids to look back and go, gee, Grandma, when, when you were a kid, you had shitty yeah. <laughs> shitty animations. Yeah. Your movies were all about misogyny. Yeah. It must have been really hard for you in your time, the way we look back at, like, yeah. suffrage and go, geez, yeah. that would have been shit house. Like, wow, you weren't even allowed to vote. Yeah. Yeah, totally. By the way, that foghorn is not us. That's um, We're on Sydney Harbour right now and there's a giant life. ship on its way out here. <laughs> Yeah. See? Big chat. Really big chat. An amazing chat. And I really look forward to the day that the Australian media actually starts really backing women in. And I mean, it's already kind of started, but we have a long way to go whereby, you know, women like myself or Saskia or anyone else that I speak to can feel safe about coming forward and going, hey, I'm tired of being told that the way I feel doesn't matter or that what actually happened didn't happen or my personal favourite, that was your experience of it. It's like, no, it happened. It wasn't just my experience, it happened. So, yeah, when we finally start backing women up and men up as well when something has happened to them, then I will be more than happy to fully share these kinds of stories. But in the meantime, if you would like to follow Saskia, I strongly recommend it. She's on Instagram. That is at Saskia underscore Hempel. Or she actually runs a really great company, which we will talk about in the future, called Giftbox. They're on Instagram, Giftbox Organic, and their website is giftboxorganic.com forward slash shop. They help women on the street gain access to free sanitary products, but that is a topic for another day, which we will get stuck into. She started the business herself. She's just like Ermager, you know? You know when you just look at those people and you go, Ermager. That's Saskia. Ermager. Remember, you can follow us on the website, which is onetogetherpodcast.com. You may have even found us on there in the first place. You can leave comments on the site if you like as well, or you can shoot us a personal email to onetogetherpodcast at gmail.com. We love getting feedback and we also love your suggestions on whether or not you feel you have a story that you could share that could potentially help other people. Now, there are so many platforms we are on now and the best part, if you sign up to Anchor where we are hosted, you can send us audio messages. For example, hello, One Together Podcast. My name is, insert name here, and I would like to say, insert comment here of, amazingness and frivolity. So like I keep saying, we are one together. So we love hearing from you because we're creating a community. It's not about us talking at you. It's about us sharing insights and discussing things as a group. Now you can get extras on the following socials, Heather Maltman for Instagram and Heather Maltman official on Facebook because I am fancy. You can also get us on the tube of you as well, which is otherwise known as YouTube. That's a little dad joke for you. This is the One Together podcast reminding you that one is in fact not the loneliest number. Keep getting after it and feel free to pass this along to anyone who might even start thinking slightly 
that they are not anything other than the absolute shit. Because you are the shit. You are the shit. You are amazing. Keep getting... You want me to stop? Okay, no, stop. Sorry about that. I got a bit overexcited. Keep listening.